I would like to welcome everyone to the Roxborough Roundtables. My name is Madeline Gerace and I am the student coordinator for the tables. Today our topic is body image and health at every size and today our host will be Professor Emily Capelli. Well, thank you. Um, <clears throat> so, hello, most of you know me from class um, as your professor. Um, I'm Emily Capelli. Um, I teach here at Jefferson Psych and I have a practice in East Falls, not too far from here actually, in which I see clients um, for um, body image issues, for eating disorders, um, for self-esteem issues, and for trauma. Um, so the vast majority of people coming to see me have some kind of um, issues with their bodies um, and issues with food. And so because I have that lens, I see it everywhere. And I have a lot of conversations about body image, about eating, um, kind of every single day. And sometimes it's a little bit tiring. But um, I will say that I've never, out of all those conversations that I've had, I've never had the same conversation twice. And to me, that's what's so interesting about this topic, is that it's so diverse in how people see it. Um, so I wanted to start the the discussion today off with um, where do you think body image issues or where do you think like the thin ideal kind of comes from? Um, it's probably a, a lot to do with like the media and um, how actors are portrayed online and how they look and then people are often comparing their looks to the people of what ideally good looking people are looking like. Okay. Yeah. So like we see these images of people who are like the ideal person, not just in body, but also in their personality. Yeah. So we kind of put what we, we want to be onto them. Yeah. Okay, I like that idea. So then through advertising, a lot of advertising sets forth you know, what we should be, what we should eat, what's, how we should smell, and, you know, uh, and putting pressure, if you don't meet this ideal, you're failing in some way. Mm -hmm. I think social media, like models, modeling, any like famous social media page, they definitely influence like what we should look like. Mm -hmm. And like even like clothing brands like Nike, Adidas, Forever 21, Fashion Nova, they have like a certain like body type usually that they use to model their clothes. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And um, not only that, but you mentioned these brands. It's not just actually our physical bodies, but what we put on them. Are you wearing the right brand? So even, it's not even your size or color or anything. It's like, are you wearing the right clothes? And people judge us for that reason too. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes those sizes, those clothing brands don't go up to a certain size. You know, usually they stop at like 1X. Um, what about 4X? What about 5X? You know, and it limits who can wear the clothes. And also the modeling, uh, the models are usually pretty pretty thin and photoshopped. Yes. I think there's also a lot to be said about some of the plus size models that are used because, for example, there was an article that came out about Victoria's Secret's new plus size models and they were like way skinnier than I will ever be. Wow. And it was like insane because they try so just they just they, they put this label plus size like they're yeah. being accepting and they're catering to body image issues and they're, you know, politically advanced and, you know, aware. 
but it just makes it worse mm -hmm. because even when they're addressing it as plus size, it's nowhere near a realistic, you know, example. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a really important point that I'm, I'm so glad you noticed that because not a lot of people would. Some people would just be like, oh, plus size. Like, <laughs> look how diverse everything is, yeah. you know? It's getting so much better. And plus size isn't even, like, the only issue because even when the women are plus size, number one, they're still, like, extremely small. Mm -hmm. But number two, they're still blonde. They still have blue eyes. They're still white. Yeah. They're, like, never. It's always, it's, like, the same thing, but, like, maybe a little wider hips. Mm. <laughs> and that's another thing to be said. They have these wide hips with like the tiniest little waist and like <laughs> such an unrealistic like I really have never met anyone who looks like any of the models I've seen I've never met one in real life and I really don't think I will yeah I think another thing is I don't know YouTube BuzzFeed that's like a big company and they've like explored a lot of like the stereotypes for plus size women they actually have like a whole series dedicated to plus size women trying on like the not even plus size women, like women of all different sizes, like a six, a four, an eight, whatever they're defined as, trying that same one size of clothing and like giving a review on it. So like social media sites like that influence it. And also with that, how she was saying like the whole race thing. And on top of that, a lot of the companies, there's no like standard scale that a four is this or a six is this. Every company has their own definition of that size. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You could be a medium in one company, but then you could be a small in another company. Yeah. Totally. I think like lack of representation is a really big problem. There's literally like one representation that's like Right. And what do you... Uh, I just want to say it's just not only what's beautiful, but what's valuable. Mm. And how you uh, view yourself. Because if you don't fit that, not only are you looked at as not pretty, but you're not hired. Um, you're yes. not promoted. Um, you are disrespected. So there's a, there's a whole litany of things that come with not fitting the ideal of beauty. It goes to the actual, not what you look like, but what your worth is a human being. Right. And that's uh, pretty severe. Yeah, absolutely. And that was going to be my next question was, um, what do you think all of this pressure does to people? And I'm looking over here too, because I want to invite you guys to join the conversation as well. What do you think this kind of pressure that we put on people to be the ideal, what do you think that does to people? Yeah. I'm sure it certainly does nothing to help someone's self-image. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's definitely all sorts of mental health things that can stem from that that are rooted in childhood sometimes and just continue uh, like growing until they are addressed. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to questions. What do you think, um, how do you think all these pressures that we have about body image, how do you think that affects people? Um, like, I know that the pressure in different cultures is very, very different. Like, in mm -hmm. what in one culture could be like, this is your ideal, will like devastate a whole other culture. Yeah. So I, um, I know a friend who has like is very Hispanic. Like their family very much like dives deep into that like very aesthetic, mm -hmm. and having the mainstream like thin hourglass and you have to be like six two woman, mm -hmm. and it's like 
that's never going to be something that's achievable. That's so they're always kind of miserable with their lives because they're never going to be something that people want to see. Like they're mm-hmm. always the back trend, the back end of it. They always get the short on the straw yeah. with like fashion and body ideas. Yeah, so it really calls in their self worth or their value yeah. that they put on themselves. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. If I can't look like that, then I must be failing in this major way. Yeah. It also pits everyone against each other really well because if you don't meet the expectation and someone else does that can cause like jealousy and, it, and then it becomes a conversation like well do you ever eat or this or that and then the people who do meet it may feel like superior or they may feel like pressure to keep it and maintain it and be above someone else like no matter what in order to make it yeah I feel like there's both negative positives to the pressure because some people do get motivated by it to like get healthier so to say Mm -hmm. but it's not necessary that they want to achieve to be that exact body type or that that exact body shape but maybe that's like oh I want to like lose some weight or I want to be like maybe look this way and that like motivates them to get in the gym or something Mm -hmm. but also like especially like if you're at a younger age like you're a child I think hearing that, like, like, oh, you're getting fat or, oh, you're too short, I think that definitely has, like, an effect mm-hmm. on your mental state. Because totally. you're just a child, you're so innocent, like, you just want to, like, frolic in the grass or whatever, you want to have fun. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And I'm glad you say that because a lot of recovery from an eating disorder or disordered eating um, is really getting back in touch with that childhood sensibility of like food because kids really know what they want like they wake up in the morning they're like I want butter noodles and it's like that's not an appropriate meal for this time of day and they're like no I don't care I want butter noodles you know so they only know what they want but when we become adults we like take on all these rules about food you can't eat butter noodles in the morning you know um, and part of recovery from eating disorder is actually unlearning those rules. To be like, there are no rules. There are no rules around food. Food isn't bad, food isn't good. Let's stop putting value words on food because it's just nourishment. So I like that point about the childhood stuff because it's definitely a part of it. We've also had that people who have children, grandchildren, is what is good food, what is, isn't good food. Uh-huh. Yeah. And when you say you can't have something or something is bad, then they want it yes. even more. And it becomes uh, a thing, you're, you're smiling. What's, what's your reaction to that? Um, yeah, no, I agree with that. <laughs> and so when you take it away, it becomes something that's like a challenge and then it's just kind of like, just want to eat it, even if you didn't want it to begin with. <laughs> but, um, I also think like for me like um, when I was younger and I was growing up I was always like I was always sort of like too skinny and I like, I need to eat more because like you know you're young <laughs> I feel like um, I don't know you don't think about that too much but I was always sort of like oh yeah you need to eat more you're so skinny why don't you ever eat and then like I finally um got to this point where I like started getting like excited because I was like oh look I'm like filling out and then. I like get excited for myself and then as you get older then it becomes like oh you need to lose that (laughs) so it's like it's so like crazy it's like at this point like it doesn't necessarily become like 
like when I was younger, it's like you want to gain weight, and now it's like you want to lose weight. It's it shouldn't matter at that point. It should just be like, um, should just be healthy at this point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, good point. Yeah, I like how this this value that we put on bodies changes over time yeah. too. Has anyone else experienced that? That like you change your value of how you see yourself over time? Yeah. For sure. I, I remember when I was younger, I had like a similar issue. I was like really, really skinny just for no reason, just because that was the way I was built. Yeah. And I actually started going to a dietitian because my parents like forced me to. And I will never forget, I went to the dietitian one day and they told me, because I had to do updates on my weight. And one time they told me, the issue is that when you're, when you're finished eating and you feel full, you have to eat that a little more mm-hmm. so that you can gain weight. And I was like, but I'm not, if I'm not hungry anymore, why am I still eating? But now, it's like the opposite. It's like, well, you shouldn't really eat till you're full. It's like, then why am I eating? Isn't that what people eat for, like, for fulfillment? Yeah. And because they're hungry. Yeah. So it's so silly because I'll, I'll never forget that. I'm like, wow, and you have like a degree. And you just told me that's what your advice was. It's different. Yeah, totally. I think another thing that like influences like body image in general is like, I personally, both my parents are doctors, so growing up in a healthcare household, they're very conscious of what they eat and what they used to feed us. Like We were a household, we never had chips, never had coke, nothing. I had none of that. All the other kids in their lunches at school, they would have like cookies and stuff. My house, uh-uh, never. So I think that's like a big factor, and like that's like kind of like set into like my food habits now. I'm not really a big like Coke drinker, any sodas. I'd rather drink water than drink like juice. I think that's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You were mentioning Kate mentioned like we eat for fill, but don't we eat for many other reasons? Oh, yeah. just that eat, what what do we eat for? What do you what do you call yeah. it? Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> Instagram photos. Instagram photos, yeah. We eat for Instagram photos. Facts. The, um, the phone eats before the, or the eyes eat before the mouth. Yeah, totally. You know, whenever people come to me or say, you know, I'd rather, I, I want to stop emotional eating. I always, like, kind of find that kind of humorous because all eating is emotional eating. We are emotionally eating all the time. You know, like, I got this juice because I was like, I need to stay hydrated. I also want something fun because I'm kind of nervous for this thing. So so I totally chose this juice out of, like, nervousness. That was an emotional choice that I made. So it's totally connected to our emotions. Um, so to want to cut that off is um, kind of unrealistic. It's like saying, I don't want to use my lungs. They're kind of, kind of getting in the way of things, you know? So, Yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you know about apps like MyFitnessPal, like tracking your meals uh-huh. and stuff? What's your opinion on that? Or like, do you think that is useful or do you think that's hindering? So you're asking, you're asking me um, who works with people with eating disorders yeah. who will use stuff like that yeah. as a way to um, like track their calories, say. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times, if I'm working with someone who has anorexia or orthorexia, um, sometimes they will track their, their food in that way, and it becomes part of the disorder. So sometimes it's about weaning themselves off of that. Um, so 
Um, so there's there's like two ways that we go about one, a food choice, right? It's either I was told to, to choose this and I'm going to choose it because I was told or I want this because I want it. So there's an extrinsic motivation or an intrinsic motivation. So that's why we pick the foods that we do. Um, with an eating disorder, we're trying to get out of the extrinsic and into the intrinsic. Why did I choose this for me um, versus I'm choosing this for someone else? Hopefully that's helpful. Um, Does that lead to the obsession of more like when they're tracking what you're yes, saying? Yes, totally. They like food overwhelm your day and, yeah. and thoughts. Totally, totally. So, absolutely. Um, so things like my fitness pal, um, any kind of um, what is that thing called that people Fitbit. Fitbit. Fitbit, yeah, that's tracking your Apple calories watch. and stuff like that. Some people have to get rid of those. Um, mm -hmm. Anything like that, anything that tracks things like that. Because I know a lot of friends who are like trying to lose weight, and they like wake up every morning six a.m. go to the gym, and they'll only like if we want to go out to eat, they'll only eat at places that my fitness ball has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because half of those are probably sponsored and like paid. Like Chipotle, yeah. all of those places. Yeah. I think that's a very interesting comment though because so far none of us have said anything about marketing and product design and um, a lot of, I mean, I feel as though a lot of uh, although they get help from the magazines and from the movies, there's a lot of profit to be made from unsatisfied people. People who want to be heavier, people who want to be thinner, people who want their skin to be smoother, less dry, people who want to have a different kind of a figure, people who, and you know, that's entirely, you know, then there's the doctors who tell you you might want to lose weight or gain weight for, for, you know, um, health reasons, but the, the marketing of these things, and when you were talking about eating, it's nutrition, mm -hmm. and you think about these magazines, Bon Appetit, mm -hmm. Eating Well, I mean just these visual images. Some of you may be designers, there's a career out there for you, designing the colors and the teacup and the, and the, you know, what that looks like, and that we'll be drawn to go to certain restaurants, we'll be drawn to eat certain foods, and the marketing of it, I mean, a lot of it is because there's money to be made from exploiting our problems. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so and that's really hard. I think maybe an awareness of that might help us resist it sometimes, but I'm not so sure. You know, it's, yeah. it's hard to resist those images. But yeah. It's not only catering to the problems, they create the problems. It's funny you say catering. But they create yeah. They create that problem yes. and then and they then, try to solve the problem. Exactly, right. exactly. When they're the one that created it in the first place, right. how could they solve it? Yeah. I think a lot of times with that too, with marketing, there's a question of like, how much of this is directly like racist? Because a lot of like hair things and like body things like cater to one race that like literally is unattainable for others. Like for example, like every hair thing is like make your hair so smooth and like silky, and then it's like, well, some races literally just don't have that texture. And it's still like marketed to like young girls, like really young girls see right. these things. Well, it goes back into the like the thin white ideal. Yeah. Like make your hair so straight, like 
like a thin white person, you know, and it's like, why? Why is that the ideal? You know, what makes that the superior beauty? Because there's more people to sell. Mm. Because that's the majority, and, and those right. colors are mass marketed, and the more that you have, the bigger market. Mm. If you had more people with kinky hair, then it would be the kinky hair is a wonderful new thing. It, right. It's just they create the need themselves and then fulfill it. Um, what I particularly interested in is how they, they establish also your identity through the products and through what you eat and what you wear, because you eat certain things. It shows maybe you're a certain class of person. I think getting at that. Uh, if you wear a certain product, you're a certain class of person because our identities have been so destroyed by so many things and the constant changing that it creates this lack of identity that you fill with food and products. And uh, that's also creating, a, you're not just eating anymore, you're eating for your identity, you're eating for, obviously, uh, you don't want to feel bad or look bad or whatever it is, you're not eating because I'm <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think something for that, like personally, I'm Indian. So in the Indian culture, a lot of people want to be whiter. So a lot of people bleach their skin. There's a huge uh, cream in India that they even brought to the U.S. It's called Fair and Lovely, and it's supposed to make your skin lighter. That's like an actual thing, and that's like a big market in India to become lighter. There is a thing that, oh, wash your face with milk, wash your body with milk, you'll be lighter. But then, like a lot of Caucasian people, they want to be more tan. <laughs> you always, want what, you're, you thing, always yeah. want what you don't have. Yeah, right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, because like, um, uh, like, my friends um, have a lot of Filipino friends, and so like, they all like to like do like the compare your skin tones thing. They're always like, oh, you're always like the palest. And I'm like, yeah, it's because I'm Asian, <laughs> and um, it's all. I remember like one of my friends telling me that in um, the Philippines, though, it um, when they work on the plantations, um, the fairness of your skin comes from like because you're like higher class because you don't work in the fields, so you keep your like fairer skin, and if you do, you get like darker from the sun, and and so. I just think it's like weird, like, because now, like, like you were saying, um, Caucasian people want to be tan, and so, like, you know, like, one of my friends, like, got her spray tan, and I'm like, it's just weird. It's like, the mindset is a lot different, and, yeah. Also, like, our grant, like, for me, I know, I used to play soccer and field hockey, like, outside, and my grandparents used to live with us for a little, and my grandma was like, you can't play this sport, you're getting too dark. <laughs> So that was an issue for her. Yeah. I don't think way too with family. Sorry. No, go ahead. Just like family pressures in general, like parents, I feel like. Or at least mine. Like my mom is always like, you look so good. Like you look skinny. Or she's like, you're putting on weight. Literally, I like visit home. I don't live too far away. I live like an hour and a half. So I'll visit home. Like I've probably visited like four or five times like this year. And every time I go, she's either complimenting me because I look skinny or, like, say, asking if I'm still going to the gym because I look fat. And I'm like, I literally saw you two weeks ago. There's no way my body changed that much. Like, it's just always, like, a, a conversation that she makes. And it's just, like, even if – I think that even if you do think that your child, like, looks better, whatever you define as better, there's no reason to comment on it because it does create an ideal because – if they no longer look that way, then they question themselves, and it's just like, why? 
as a parent, would you want your kid to feel that way? Yeah. Or for their worth to be defined like by physical stuff. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Because I get this question from clients a whole lot. Yeah. Um, about um, doesn't everybody get hurt their feelings hurt by some question that someone asks about like, oh, I, I noticed that you're gaining weight or something like that? Because my clients will latch onto those things very, very easily um, and kind of take it to an extreme. But I'm wondering in that instance when, you know, your mom says things to you, how does that feel and what do you do with the feelings? Well, first of all, I think it's good that I'm like conscious enough to know that like she's been dieting for like, like compulsively for like years. So like my dad always says they're divorced, so obviously he has something to say about it. My dad always says like, and it's like every time she puts on weight, you put on weight. And so whenever I'm going to the gym, she starts going to the gym, and I'm no longer going to the gym enough. So I think it's like a deflecting kind of thing, and I you'll never, ever catch me making like a comment about her weight because I just wouldn't do that. And it's just always like a conversation. Like she, It's almost like her putting the attention on me. Even though I'm never going to say anything, it's just like a thing in her head, I think. So... Even when we go to the gym together, she's like, how often do you go? Do you go, like, every day? And I'm like, no, probably not. She's like, why? Or even if we go out to eat, she's like, so what are you going to get? Like, you know, there's a lot of carbs in that, right? Like, how many calories are in that? I'm like, I literally couldn't tell you. I have no idea. Like, I just have so many other things that I could focus on. I just never thought. That's really, I'm really impressed by that, that you're able to kind of, like, let it roll off your back. Because there's not a lot of people, the, the people that I work with, my clients, would not be able to do that in the face of comments like that. So I think that's the difference between like someone who has it can develop a, an eating disorder and someone who's a little bit protected from that. In your case, it sounds like you're a little bit protected from developing an eating disorder for whatever psychological factors that you have. You have a hardiness yeah. or something, a resilience that... Um, doesn't lend yourself to develop too much disordered eating. Well, because I think that people, like, focus on weight so much when, like, half of the models that are, like, so skinny are so not healthy. Like, a lot of people, like, fast food doesn't always make you put on weight. Like, sometimes it's just so, like, nutritionless that, like, you can get really, really skinny. And so, like, half the times my mom says it, like, even when I was a gymnast, she'd be like, you have such, like, big shoulders, like, you're just really big looking and it's just like muscle like it's just always a problem and it's like I know when I'm being healthy and when I'm being unhealthy like I know when I'm not eating well like in college and I know when I'm able to eat better at home so it doesn't always even like correlate with what my weight is at that time so it's just like so like why associate it it's interesting that um there's this sort of it was a big fancy word, intersectionality. And there's this relationship, at least in my experience, I don't know if anyone else's, between the weight issue and gender issues. But even, for, I'll give you an example. Um, I got divorced right around, or separated from my husband around 50. I was around 50. Um, I gained a lot of weight after my second child that I didn't really lose. And I, my father, who had been really heavy all of his life, but had lost apparently 80 pounds, 
when, he, when I was about five, when the doctor told him that I'd be an orphan if he didn't lose the 80 pounds, he was always very proud of himself that he was able to lose this weight. You know, for me, he did it for me. Uh, I would go visit, I'd take the kids up to visit him in New York, and he looked at me and he goes, why are you letting yourself go? That was always the way to say it, of letting yourself go. And I said, well, uh, why is that an issue? And he said, well, a woman in your position I said, a woman in my position? And he said, a single woman. You're not going to get a new man looking like that. Well, first of all, I see a lot of happy, fat, married people walking around, you know? People, fat people, get people to fall in love with them and, and things like that. But, I mean, I just felt like, and my attitude was, you know, I'm a full professor. I wasn't a full Maybe I was. No, I'm a full professor at a university, a future dean, we didn't know that, and you're telling me that I need to get a man for what? You know, why? Why is that important? And, but, you know, he was missing something. You know, he was lacking because his daughter didn't look good enough to get a man to do what for her. You know, I don't know. So I just, these, these things are so linked. So painful. You know, just yeah. it, it can cause such damage. Uh, it's, it's incredible. But why? I'm asking, why could remarks like Kate's parents, New yeah. York father, why are they so damaging to us? Why does it mean so much to us? Like what, what Barbara said, she had a very successful career. She had, by all, by all measurements, she's doing really well. Okay, so, so why, why is all of a sudden that goes to the heart of you? Yeah. As opposed to all the, you're a doctor and you're doing great in school, yeah. all this stuff. Why does it mean that much? I think because of the the cultural um, weight, so to speak, that we put on being a larger person. On some level, receiving a comment that indicates that we might be larger, on some level feels like I'm being rejected by society. Because on some level, we know that the experience of being fat is much different than the experience of being thin. Um, so, so that's I. That's my take on it. That it's about um, the societal pressures um, of being fat, um, because we know. I mean, and you know, larger people um, experience a whole host of discrimination. Like some people have to have um, seat extenders in. Uh, plain seats. Some people have to buy two seats. Um, people in larger bodies earn less than people in thinner bodies. Um, it, there's all these pressures that people have. Um, if you want to know more about that stuff, check out Lindy West. She is a really great writer. Um, there's also a new show on Hulu called Shrill. Has anyone been watching that? Oh, girl. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, so I think it's about the, the, the thin ideal, for sure. I think for women especially, it just like speaks to how much more important our appearance is as opposed to anything we have in our head at yeah. all. Like none of these like models, there's nothing that's said about like if they even could do like a simple equation problem or like speak on a political issue or like say anything, like any form of individuality that has to do with like their own thought, yeah. it has nothing to do with that. It just shows that like physical appearance like gets you so far. 
even if it's not earned. Like, half of these people just look like this because that's the way they're built. Right, yeah. Or because of, like, being trained to look that way. Not to stay away from women, because I know you suffer from this far more, but for the guys in the room, there is also pressure on guys to be a certain height, uh, to have hair. Uh, <laughs> I'm 5'11", yeah. like, I'll lie and say I'm six, six foot tall. That's <laughs> because, like, that's, like, the preferred thing. So you go to a gym and you see, um, you know, some of the guys who walk around and like you know, it's a whole thing that like they have to show themselves off in some ways. I don't want to talk about it. It goes into the very interesting experience. But um, there is pressure on guys as well. Um, people without hair don't get hired as much. Um, short people don't get hired as much. You know, there, there is pressure on guys to be tall and to be you know, strong. So it's not as much on it. It's, it's on you women, but the guys also have pressure. I was just interested in any other guys experiencing Keenan. Um, we know you're beautiful. Well, thank you. I mean, yeah, I've uh, I've suffered from like I guess like, I, I'm okay when my friends like make fun of me being how skinny I am. Like that's happened since I was like elementary school, and they call me like the twig or something. But when it crosses the line and the people like who I don't really know and I'm not really that comfortable with, like saying that I look like a school shooter and like dressing and like looking like a school shooter, that's when it like it crosses the line and it really starts to bother me. Or if someone like comes at my family for like because my mom's overweight, if someone comes at my family, especially in my own family, that just just bothers me and like I've, I've had to deal with that my entire life and like I still remember like every instance of it. It's just not hurtful for women. Yeah. You know, uh, any other guys? Uh, well, I'd say, you know, guys definitely have, like, um, those standards sometimes, like, they need to live up to, you know, like, we have the gym, uh, Jefferson, and I'll be, like, you know, curling, like, the weight that I'm comfortable with, you know. Um, and then <laughs> That's I look like, like, yeah, and then there's, like, you know, I'm five foot five, so, you know, I'm not a big guy, and then I look to my right, and then there's a guy curling, like, 60 pounds. He's like six foot two and huge, and it's like, man, oh my gosh. Like, you know, um, and also, you know, just like that aspect of like, oh man, I hope I don't go bald when I get older. And, you know, like, and my niece would come up to me and be like, you're gonna go bald when you're older. Like, yeah, love you too. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, like there's definitely all those like standards that guys uh, feel that they need to like live up to. You know, I don't think like, all guys, you know, feel the same need to live up to those standards. Um, but there definitely are those that do. So yeah, it definitely exists uh, with men as well. I think part of it, like, I'm not a guy, so I don't know. But a lot of, like, on social media, there's jokes about people. It's like a trend for guys, especially to put their heights in their, like, bios. So a lot of the girls, like, attack that and make a joke, like, oh, why are you putting your height in your bio? Like, is that all you have? Like, oh, you're six this, you're six two, you're five this. Like, those kinds of jokes like are attacked on social media, especially Twitter. Yeah, that was a big Twitter trend. It's like when he's over six foot, <laughs> like with like hard eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got to guys because I had a cousin. He's like, well, when we were younger, he was around like eleven ish. He was really really skinny, but like real skinny. And then everyone was like, okay, he's skinny. And then his mom got pregnant, and then she just, so she was a picky pregnant person, so she would leave all his, her leftovers, 
and he would just pick it up and, you know, just eat it, her leftovers. And so after he retrieved it, he started like putting on a weight, but not like a huge amount of weight, it wasn't big, but he started putting on a weight compared to how he was before. And then they would sit there and then now they would come and say like, oh, why are you different than the way you were before? Like, you, this isn't you, this isn't who we know you to be. We know you to be the skinny guy, like you need to lose weight and come back who you were before. And I'm like, they retrieve you now, they're a better they've grown. They shouldn't have to keep having that same status as that young skinny kid. They're not that young skinny kid anymore. They should be able to adapt to how they feel happy. I'm like, are you happy the way you are? He's like, yeah, but I don't want to be the old person I used to be, but it, these comments are just like keep hitting me like over and over again. Can I ask you, because we don't have to leave it now, it's going fast. Yeah. When there's all this anxiety that we're talking about, whether it's male or female anxiety and the hurt and so forth, when does it become a, uh, when does it become pathological? Um, so there's a couple things that uh, happen in people who have eating disorders versus people who, and most people experience some body shaming throughout their life, either comments from loved ones or some, some kind of comment about being a twig or something like that. But it, what changes it from being like, oh, that kind of bothers me to like a eating disorder, there's usually some personality things in place. So usually people with eating disorders are very perfectionistic. Um, they have, they're very attention, they're, they have a high attention to detail. Um, they um, are, in a lot of different studies, they have shown that their fathers are, are have a higher IQ than, than average. Um, it also shows that their mothers also have anxiety that pre, predate the, the eating disorder. Um, and, um, Another part of it is trauma. A lot of people who have eating disorders also experience some kind of trauma in their life, and a trauma is just a significant life event that causes distress to the body. Um, so, um, so yeah, there's a couple different things in place, and so if a negative evaluation of someone's body comes into play, like, you know, if I would have heard my mom say that about me growing up, if she would have said, like, oh, you're not going to the gym, that would have totally sent me spiraling. Um, but it sounds like for you, it didn't send you spiraling. And that's because I had all those personality factors in play. I was per perfectionistic, very sensitive to negative evaluation, uh, very anxious. So because, you know, when I would receive some negative feedback about my body, I would take it to mean something about me personally. Um, so that's the difference between someone who has an eating disorder and someone who just experiences body shaming, which is everybody. So hopefully that answers some things. And so looking at a positive part, because we're all, none of us in this room are perfect. Uh -huh. um, how do we deal with the stress that we get from comments from other people, yeah. or from the media, or from TV, whatever it may be? How do we deal with it in a healthy way so that we don't turn it into Anxiety. Yeah. Um, so one thing that's super helpful is to have some canned responses uh, for when people make comments about you. So if someone, you know, around the holidays is like, really, you're going to eat that? Just, you know, say something to the effect of, yeah, <laughs> and I'm going to enjoy it. You know, like some kind of response that you don't have to like come up with in the moment. You think about it beforehand. Um, and then also, you know, boundaries, like have boundaries with toxic people. And what that means is if they 
don't respect you know you saying yeah I'm gonna eat it then start saying no more to them you know start saying like you know I really can't talk right now I gotta go or you know start having those boundaries um, because some people really are in their own stuff we'll say um, so they really can't take on your stuff um, and there's there's a whole host of things you can do to, to help with that I feel like it's also worth it to tell them how, like, it makes you oh, feel. yeah, totally. Because I think a lot of the times people are, like, especially if they're deflecting, like, they don't really realize. Because even when I point out to my mom, she's like, oh, you know, I didn't mean it like that. And I'm like, well, you did, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's really important because then, like, not that you should be intentionally making people feel guilty, but, like, mm -hmm. they do feel guilt because they're like, wow, like, I don't, obviously they're not in your head yeah. and they don't understand what it's like to be a 19-year-old woman or male or anyone any young person right now I feel like but everyone does yeah like have so much pressure so I think that's worth it for I agree sure. I really like that idea to tell them how it makes you feel absolutely yeah yeah so how do you how do you stop from feeling that okay maybe this isn't me and then you look at it and you start saying okay maybe they're right maybe this isn't who I'm meant to be I should be the way I was before like how do you like deflect that feeling um, how do you deflect the, the other feeling of, well, maybe I am maybe supposed to be right. smaller. Maybe this isn't who I am. Um, I think yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say to challenge it and to say, um, so what about my new body or my new self is, is better than my old self? Like, what is going on besides my weight or whatever that I enjoy? You know, um, like this new body represents who I am right now, and I like who I am right now. I like my friends, and I wouldn't have gotten my friends with that smaller body, if that makes sense. Yeah, to kind of like appreciate the life surrounding the body. Even just related to how do we better for ourselves and our friends and our family focus less on how we look as opposed yeah. to more on how we act? Yeah, totally. How do we do that? So I think it really starts with you, you know, uh, you know, Michael Jackson, um, problematic fave, right? But he is, he had the, I'm looking at the man in the mirror, it starts with me. So I think by complimenting people, not on their physical appearance, I mean, if you, you know, I really like your shoes, they are very cute. Um, but if you, you know, see some cute shoes, that's great. Um, but really trying to compliment people on their personality. Like, I love the sensitivity that you bring to my class whenever you're there. I have such good answers whenever you answer things, and I really appreciate it. That probably means more to you than, hey, cool shoes. Yeah. 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 So I think by, like, building that kind of community, we can, we can you know, dissipate some of that anxiety around, like, how we look or how much we weigh. I'll just ask one more question so to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, when should you seek help? When mm -hmm. does it come a point where you know, you know that you're not reacting well to food yeah. or your vision of who you are is, is maybe off kilter what other people think it is? Yeah. Um, so I would say if it's causing so much distress that you're having some impairment in your everyday life. So whether that's work, school, home, whatever, friends, 
if you're having some kind of impairment in your everyday life, then that is the time when you need to get help, especially with eating disorders. Um, a lot of times it's hard to get help, so we slip and slip and slip until it's like really very late. And I will say this about eating disorders. Eating disorders are the number one uh, most deadly uh, mental health condition in the DSM. So they're, they're very serious. Um, this is not just like a, you know, uh, I don't like eating. It's it's pretty serious. But what happens to people who do have um, chronic anorexia or yeah. What damage can they do to themselves? Um, they can they can have heart attacks. They can have um, they can have strokes. They can have brain aneurysms. Um, they can be hospitalized for the rest of their lives. Um, so so there's lots of different things. That's on the extreme end, though. Um, a lot of people recover from an eating disorder. Yeah, as long as they do. Yep. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. Um, is there ever such thing as a minor eating disorder? Uh huh. Yes, absolutely. It's called disordered eating. Yeah. We just kind of switch the words. It's okay. disordered eating. Oh. Yeah, if it's minor, it's disordered eating. Because like I feel like nowadays it's been glorified yes. to have a mental health issue and it's like oh yeah well, I have an eating disorder and I have anxiety and I yeah. have depression and it's like are you do you really or yeah. are you just saying this so mm -hmm. it becomes a question of is it really an eat, a eating disorder or is it something mm -hmm. that you're kind of making up in your head yeah I would say whenever someone says something like that to believe them first right. and then later look for evidence that they're maybe making it up um, because Saying you have a mental illness is sort of a weird way to get attention. Yeah. You know, like why would you want attention for something that people hate, you know, or judge you for? You know, so so I would say believe them first. Um, but yeah, you can't have a minor eating disorder. Yeah. Any other questions? Watch you make it fun. Wrap it up. All right. Cool. Well, um, thanks for coming. Even though you. Most of you got extra credit for being here. I didn't. I really did. Sorry. Never mind. Yeah, so I really appreciated this. I appreciated everyone who came out and participated. And um, I hope you take something with you. And do you, can we like wrap up like by going in the inner circle? Go right ahead. Okay. Um, for the inner circle, um, tell me one thing you're kind of leaving this this discussion with. Um, I would be leaving with a deeper understanding of how other people see it because I've only ever known like the women around me and mm -hmm. my views of it. So it's like to see different people and different ways of seeing how. Everything affects them. Yeah. I never really like thought of the men's like perspective on body image, so it's kind of interesting to think of it in, like in that in that way. Yeah. I've got to say like a more intersectional view of the issues that go on in other people's lives. Mm. Um, definitely more insight into like how it affects like different people, especially like as like like people with like actual disorders and like, just everyday. I'm hungry and I'm gonna eat. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's a <laughs> I agree with what he said about like men's perspective because I think it becomes such a conversation about women 
but like um, pressure, especially like someone like something like height or like build, like that's also something that men can't really change. Yeah. So that it's a conversation for everyone, not just women. I think I realize that like other people, like I, my mom doesn't sleep with me. Mom does, and I always used to feel like singled out that she does that, and it's nice to know that other people are going through that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. I think it's good just what you said about like complimenting somebody on their personality instead of something like physical, yeah. which would be a good thing to like start doing like yeah. in an everyday life. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank for you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome.